Well, happy Father's Day. Uh, we, uh, we serve a great God. It is, uh, he is as great and it is a blessing to know Him as our Father, uh, to have a relationship with Him. And uh, let me just say at times like this, times uh, like we are dealing with in our nation, uh, it emphasizes the importance of Christian families, of godly fathers, and so we are, are, are thankful for those that are the spiritual leaders. We're thankful uh, for the fathers uh, that are represented in our church, the young fathers like, like Matt, who was uh, sharing earlier uh, on our, our video announcements there. Uh, some of you that have been doing this a while, uh, we're thankful for you. Some of you, are, like myself, are grandfathers. Uh, some are great-grandfathers. And so uh, uh, we're thankful for uh, the men who live for the Lord and who set that example. I'm thankful for, for my dad and the example that he set uh, for me. Uh, let me just read a verse before we get into our, our passage. This is not the one I'm preaching on, but just 2 Corinthians 6.18 reminds us of this truth, where God himself said to us, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Aren't we thankful for our Heavenly Father? Uh, this morning, I want us to look at what Jesus had to say about families in particular in Mark chapter 3. So open your Bibles as we're looking at the impact that Jesus has upon our lives, that He has upon our families, that He has upon not only men, but men and women and boys and girls and all those who will, uh, who will open up to Him. He can have a, a tremendous impact of our life, even such a great impact uh, that we are transferred from the, the kingdom or from the family of darkness into the family of light. And, uh, and that is a blessing. And that's what I want us to look at uh, this morning at the true family of God uh, in Mark chapter 3. And uh, I want us to begin reading in verse 31, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. As Jesus is still in Galilee doing ministry, as you remember the, the criticisms that he's been facing there, that he's dealt primarily from the scribes and Pharisees as he's been healing and casting out demons and ministering to people, and, and they've been judging everything that he said. And then he comes uh, some judgment or some criticism from an unexpected source in verse 31. It says, Then his brothers and his mother came. Now, this is his mother, Mary, uh, and these are his half-brothers. Uh, they don't have the same father he has because he was born uh, when Mary was a virgin, and his father is the father in heaven, uh, is his father. And so uh, uh, they have Joseph as their father and Mary as their mother. So you could say these are his half-brothers and his mother. They came to him, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him. And they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? Now he wasn't being disrespectful, but he's teaching an important spiritual truth that applies to every one of us uh, here today and those watching online as well. He says this, he says, He looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Wow. Wow. What we're talking about here is a supernatural work of God. 
We talked last week about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. And one of the reasons the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential is because He does a supernatural, phenomenal work that He'll take somebody who is born into sin, who is born into death, who is born into darkness, and transfer them from that family into the family of God. That is, that is a work that God does in our life. It's called the new birth. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, you've got to be born again. I'm not talking about a physical birth. I'm talking about a spiritual, supernatural birth where God gives us a new nature. He changes our hearts and puts us into a new family where we're adopted into the family of God. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says, for as many as receive him as received Jesus Christ. To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. There's a supernatural work that transfers us to become children of God. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8 where he says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then he says in, in verse 15 of that chapter, he talks about the spirit of adoption, this supernatural work where we're adopted in the family of God so we can call out to God as our Abba, Father. That's a blessing. You ought to be excited about that. That ought to thrill your soul. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to know that he has blessed you and birthed you into the family of God. Let that sink in. We are a part of God's family. We, don't, we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It is a gift of God. God, the creator of this universe, the all-powerful God, who, I, who does deserve our, our worship and our praise, but yet he, is, he desires not just worship and praise. He desires a relationship, and so he has done this supernatural work to remove the sin in my life that I might become a part of his family. I'm joint heirs with Christ. Wow. That, that is a, a, a blessing. Jesus died on the cross. This is the impact that Jesus brings. He not only removes our sin, but he brings us into God's family that we can have a relationship. We are truly a part of his family as we experience this real change and he gives us a, a true nature, a different nature where, where we become a part of his family. I hope you understand. I hope you're a part of that family because not everyone that thinks they're a part of that family is a part of that family. Matter of fact, we, we see something going on here as we see, first of all, we see this assumed family of God. We see the assumed family. Now, they are, in a way, they could say that they're, they're blood kin because this is his mother and this is his half-brothers that have the same mother that is there. Look at with me in verse 31 where it says, Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling to him. And, and notice what's going on here. They're blood kin, but apparently they're not real close to him. I mean, these these. These are that are, are sitting on the outside that are coming to him, that, that this family that is there, his mother and his brothers that are there, they've been around Jesus all their life. They ought to know better than anybody who he is. 
and what he's about. And, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of the change that takes place later on. But they still, apparently they still don't get it because others are sitting at his feet. Others are listening to him. Others are forsaking all. They're leaving their nets. They're leaving their families and following after him. But they're not at that point yet. They're family, but they're not really family. Notice how they're described here. First of all, we see that they, they stay at a distance. They're on the outside. It says there in, in verse 31, it says they were standing outside. And it's emphasized again there in verse 32 where it says your brothers are outside seeking you. That word outside, uh, first of all, the word standing means that they, they stood there with firmness. And, and it's not just the idea that they just happened to not be sitting. They were standing. But this word for stand is the idea that they're standing out there. Kind of the picture that you get is with their hands on their hip. That they're, they're not coming inside. They're standing outside. They're outside and saying, tell Jesus to get out here. They're not coming into him to listen to him. They are staying at a distance. It doesn't say they couldn't have. It doesn't say that there is a big multitude that is there, but it never says that, that they couldn't have made their way in. I'm sure people would allow it. I mean, this is his mother. This is his brother. They would have said, well, come on in. We'll get you a seat right up front. But they don't want to do that. They're staying on the outside. I hope you understand. And this applies to, to all of us, even those that are already in the family of God. We're as close to God as we want to be. You're as close to God as you. If you want to have a dynamic, living relationship with Jesus Christ where you experience His victory and His presence in, in your life, you can have that. It's been provided for you. It's available to you. If you don't want that, then you don't have to take that. They're keeping their distance for whatever reasons. Maybe because they know that they're not perfect and they don't want Jesus to expose their need. They, they've got this image to, to maintain. You know people like that? Are you someone like that? Maybe they're just not real sure. Maybe, maybe they're, not, they're not ready to, to leave their business and go after and follow him. Maybe they're just not at that point. They've, they've got too, much thing, too many things going on in the world and, and, and going on with their business, and they've got some, some things going, and they're not ready to give those things up. But whatever the reason is, they stay at a distance. Not only that, but notice this. They give Jesus orders. It says very simply, it says they were standing on the outside and they sent to him. They sent to him. Now, you may just read that and say, well, well what does that mean they, they sent? That, that's not anything bad. Well, actually, the word sent is where we get the word apostle from. And when Jesus sends us, he sends us with authority as apostles, as messengers of him. And that's what they were doing to him. They were speaking with the authority of his blood family saying, you need to come out here to us. You see, they are, they're giving Jesus orders. That word means to send with the mission, to send with orders. And they're, they're giving him the order. Now understand this, and, and we don't want to miss this. Jesus came to serve. He, is, he, he says, I, I came not to be served, but to serve. And he loves us, and he sacrifices for us. We, we understand that about the heart of God, but that doesn't mean that he's our servant. He is still the Lord God Almighty. 
He is still the one that spoke this world into existence. And matter of fact, when we give our lives to Jesus, we call upon the name of who? The name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he, we're surrendering our lives to him. When Paul met Jesus on the Damascus Road, he didn't tell Jesus what to do. He said, what do you want me to do? We don't order Jesus around. We've got to understand this. We've got to understand he knows what is best for us. And even as he serves, even as he loves, he is doing it in a way that he knows what is best for us. There, there, we re we've read this and, and looked at Jesus where he comes and he says, what do you want me to do for you? He tells people that and they say, Lord, I want to walk. And, and he is able to, to give them uh, the ability to walk. But, but you understand that's what Jesus wanted to do anyway. If they'd have said, well, I, I, I want a million dollars, that would mean Jesus would have given them a million dollars. Jesus has sacrificed for us. And Jesus loves us like no other. But he's not our servant. We're his. Jesus, they they. They give Jesus orders, and then they put demands on Jesus as well. Because it not only says they sent to him, but it says they were calling to him. They were, when they're, 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 they're hollering out to him. They're calling out to him. They're trying to get his attention. They're, they're not just telling others, but they're, they're, they're yelling out to Jesus to get his attention as they, they call out to him. I'm reminded when I read this and was looking at what was going on and what these words mean and everything, I was reminded of, of when my uh, son David was, was younger and when uh, uh, he was living at home when he was growing up, he had a friend that lived up the street, a few houses up the street there, and they did everything together. And this friend, his dad, how he would call for him, because most of the time he was at our house and stuff, he'd whistle for him. And he'd whistle so loud, he could be out on his porch whistling, and we could hear it inside the house. And he was several houses down. I mean, he'd whistle so loud uh, uh, to him. And the idea was, boy, you better get home right now and get to it, whatever it was that he wanted him to do, whether they were going somewhere or he needed to get to his chores. But how often do we treat God like that? God, this is what's going on in my life. Now, you get to it and get after it and do what you're supposed to do. Whoa, wait a minute. Now you understand a little bit why Jesus didn't go out to him and why Jesus says what he says. You see, you can be in the area of Jesus and not really be a part of what Jesus is doing. You can come, and I'm thankful that we can sit on pews even as we're separated and, and everything, or you can tune in online, but that doesn't mean that you're following after Jesus. And it really doesn't even mean that you're definitely a part of the family of Jesus. Because Jesus says, that's not my family. Let me tell you who my family is. Let me tell you who my family is. So there's the true family of God that is pictured here in these verses. Look with me in verse 32. As the multitude is sitting around him and they say to him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them saying, who is my mother 
or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my my brother and my sister and my mother. Understand a few things about the true family of God. Number one, we are nothing special. He, he says there in, in verse 32, he talks about the multitude that was sitting there. That word multitude really just means the rabble. It just means it, there's nothing special about this multitude. Even the, the number that, that is there, they're just a, they're just a mob. They're just, there's nothing special uh, uh, about them. And the reason they are there is that they have, God in his grace has, has come to their village, has come to their area, and they're responding to that. that. They're not coming there because they're a part of the elite that are there. They're not coming there because they're the educated that are around they're not coming there but even because they all look and talk and and act like Jesus does they they are in need of grace they're just there's nothing special about them listen when I was in the eighth grade and Jesus came to me and showed me I needed him to be my Lord and Savior it wasn't because I was on the honor roll it wasn't because of who my mama and daddy were had nothing to do that in his grace and in his mercy he put somebody in my life he put people around me that were pointing me to him and and I came to that point with the, under the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I said yes I want you and he birthed me into the family of God we're nothing special Paul talks about that over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where he says now you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but God has chosen the foolish things of this world that's us That is us. He's chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world. That's us. To put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of this world. That's us. And the the things which are despised, God has chosen. That's us. And the things which are not, that's us. To bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are. You are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Glory in the Lord. We're nothing special. Tell you what, when you're part of the family of God, you realize that. You not only realize that, but you abide with him. They didn't have anything better to do other than to sit with Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 32. It says, and the multitude was sitting around him. Again, just like that word standing has the, a different idea rather than just being on the feet. It's the idea of standing in firmness with hands on the head. The idea of sitting means more than just that they weren't standing. The idea of sitting here literally means to abide. That they had sat down and were staying a while at the feet of of Jesus. They were dwelling with him. This was their fi- We're not sure where this is happening. It doesn't really say that it's, that it's a home that they're at. Earlier it talks about a mountain. He's also taught at the sea. And so we're not sure exactly where this is at. It doesn't matter. And they didn't care either. Whether it was at a mountain, they were with Jesus. Whether it was by the sea, they were with Jesus. Whether they went to a home, they were with Jesus. Okay? And, and that's, where, that's what a part of the family of God means is that the desire of my heart is just to be with Jesus. Just to be with him, to walk with him, to, to listen to him. 
You know, we talk about how there are those that, that yell crucify later on, that, that some of those that were healed and some of those that saw the things Jesus did, some of those that weighed the palm branches were the very ones that yelled crucify. But I do want you to understand this. Not everybody yelled crucify. There were some that even before the cross had made the decision to abide with Christ. Whatever sacrifice that called for. And by the way, Mark that's writing this book is one of them that was impacted by Jesus. A life that has impacted Jesus never leaves the feet of Jesus. They are abiding with him. The true family means that we're nothing special, that we abide with him. It also means that we converse with him. He says here that they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking him. They said to him, but it's a different word than what was up in verse, verse 31. Before, they were, they were de- demanding, they were, they were getting attention, and they were, they were telling him to, to, to respond to them. They were giving him orders. This actual word, speak here, means to bring. It means they, they brought their words to him. They offered their words to him. They're just, they're just letting him know what's going on to see what he wants to do. That's the conversation that they have. They're not demanding him to come to them. They're bringing their offering. They're bringing their words. They're bringing their relationship to him. That is a different attitude. That is a change of heart. And so they're entering this conversation with you. Listen, that's what it means to be a part of the family of God is that we can bring our requests to him. We can bring our needs to him. We can bring our our weaknesses to him. We can bring our our trials and our, our temptations. We can bring it all to him. That's what it means. We can have this intimate, personal, uh, daily conversation with him as he is a part of our family. To be a part of the family of God means that we converse with him. We have a relationship with him, a daily relationship with him, and then we sacrifice all for him. That's what he's talking about here in verse 34 and 35 where he says, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now listen, He is not saying that we do this to earn our way into the kingdom of God. None of us can can do it that way. But he's saying this is those that that understand what it means to be a part of my family. Those that have made the decision to abide in me. Those that have made the decision to bow the knee to me. They continue to do the will of God my Father. By the way, how we can do that will is what we are talking about last week. By the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we do the will of God. That word do means it's it's an active abiding, an active relationship, an active walk with him. It is we, we do the will of God. We act it out. We do what he tells us to do. We have this relationship with God that 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 lives itself out in a lifestyle of dependence upon him. And what do we do? We do the will of God, not my will. It's not me trying to get him to do my will. It's me surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. Christ and say, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. We do the will of God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, that is my desire. That is my purpose. I deny myself. I take up my cross and I follow after him. That's the true family of God. Now let me very quickly wrap this up and go back to that family that's mentioned In verse 31, the mother and the brothers that are there. 
If you know a little bit of Bible, then you know the fact that that wasn't always the case. It is early on in Jesus' ministry, but somewhere along the line, a change takes place. And if we find ourselves outside of the family of God, I'm here to tell you today, Jesus can change that and bring you into the family of God. He is the God who does that. That's what he specializes in. And so let's look at this changed family of God because they're, they're mentioned here, but they're also mentioned again in Acts chapter 1. If you know your Bible a little bit, you know that in Acts chapter 1 is after the resurrection of Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends and he tells his disciples, he tells his followers that are there, not just the, the, the 12 disciples minus Judas that are there, but all those, the multitude that are, are still committed to him and are following after him him. He says, you wait here. The promise is coming. And with the group that was waiting there in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, listen to who uh, this group uh, is uh, that is that is there. I had the wrong passage of scripture there. Let me pull it up right quick. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. This is the group that is there. It said, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. There they are. <laughs> After the resurrection, guess what? They're now a part of the true family of God that is doing the will of God. Something happened. They moved from the outside to the inside. Instead of, instead of staying on the outside and giving orders, they came and they bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. They recognized him. He's not just my blood brother. He, he's not just someone that I saw being raised and, and everything. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is my Savior and he is my Lord. And there they are. And when the Holy Spirit falls in Acts chapter 2, they're a part of that. They're part of the family of God. Things have changed. And let me just, uh, you say, well, how do you know that they bowed the knee? And let me look, look a little further in the, in the New Testament in the book of James chapter 1. This James that is writing this epistle in James chapter 1 is James, the half-brother of Jesus. He becomes a leader in the New Testament church, and he writes this epistle. And notice how he describes it. I mean, if I was the half-brother of Jesus, I would let people know that, right? This is James. This is the guy who was raised with Jesus. This is the guy who played ball with Jesus when he was younger. This is the guy that, that, that did all these things with Jesus. But notice how he describes himself. In James chapter 1 and verse 1, he says, James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, that's who I am. I'm a, he, he doesn't serve me. I serve him. I'm a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my God. And that's one of his brothers. Did you know another brother? Bro, another, another, brother <laughs> another brother wrote a book as well. It's the tiny book of Jude. Just a couple of books over. Right before the book of Revelation, there's this small book, Jude. And Jude was a half-brother of Jesus as well. And notice how he describes himself in Jude, verse 1. There's not even more than one chapter. There's only one chapter in there, so it's just verse 1. He says, Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. He doesn't even mention it because it just doesn't matter. He says, this is my relationship with Jesus. It's not half-brother. He said, I'm a slave. I'm his bond servant. I have surrendered my life to him. I 
Instead of staying on the outside, I came to him, and he healed me, and he saved me, and he forgave me of my sins, and now I'm submitted to him, and I live my life as a sacrifice to him. My life is a sacrifice laid on the altar to Jesus Christ. I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And he could say, and a part of the family of God because of what Jesus did. And tradition tells us, history tells us, that both James and Jude, because they were bondservants of Jesus Christ, were persecuted, went through terrible times in their life. James was stoned for being a follower of Jesus Christ. But I tell you what, in heaven today, he doesn't regret one second of it. Because he is a part of the family of God. They went from giving Jesus orders to the point that they bowed the knee and they could not deny who Jesus was, even under extreme persecution. What about you? What about you? Are you giving in to the... the the whims of this world? Are you giving in to the thoughts and philosophies that are out there? Are you surrendering your life to Jesus Christ? And you say, I don't care what the world says out there. I don't care what the media is saying out there. I don't care what anybody else is saying out there. I don't care what I'm seeing posted on social media. Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to follow him whether anybody agrees with me or not. I am surrendered to Jesus Christ. He has saved me. He has changed me. He has brought me into the family of of God, and I will never, no, never, no, never deny him. Never. Are you a part of the true family of God? This is Doug Ferris, and I'm blessed to be the pastor here at Underwood Baptist Church. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. It's our prayer that you'll do more than listen to the sermon or gather religious information. We want you to encounter God, and we pray that he will impact your life. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, please go to our website at underwoodbaptist.org. All our contact information is there, and we look forward to hearing from you. I hope you are blessed by today's message.